Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Now and Then. Enjoy the episode. Stuart, you ever think sometimes, if, if you could give your younger self any advice, what you would tell them? If you could go back to being 12 years old, what you would, and what wisdom you would impart on yourself, and what wisdom you had imparted on yourself at the time that you didn't think about and didn't have relevance until now? Uh... You think, you know, sometimes about how you're living in the now. And looking back at the then. then. In the motion picture, now and then, top tackles this exact same topic. 1995 in Indiana. 1991. Well, like the movie came out in 95. Yeah, but it's set in 91. This with, episode's already off to an incredible with start. With flashbacks to... The, 19, the mid-1970s, a indescript year. Right. Does not tell you the year, but they were 12 years old at the time. Jeff, you know I was born and raised in Indiana? I did. Um, This movie reminded me of how terrible of a life you must have had. <laughs> so, no. uh, well, not far off. <laughs> Yeah, um, directed by Leslie Linka Gladder. Yeah, oh, we're just dump, jumping right in. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I think, yeah. th- first off, then, thank then, you very much for listening to our previous episode, which was... Glory Days. Glory Days. Yeah, thank you for listening to our Glory Days episode. Man, aren't we in the Glory Days right now? Yes, huh, we are Jeff? in the Glory Days. Well, we're going to talk about some folks who are reminiscing about their Glory yes. Days. Yes. Um, do you like that? In this, like that? I'm going to restart this whole episode. In this Leslie Link, <laughs> Linka Gladder, um, 1995 motion picture, Now and Then. Yes. Um, covering, you know, here on the Travolting Podcast, which of course means that our boy is in it. But he's a very small role in this. But a good. An import, a, he's a defining important. moment in, this, in yeah. the movie. I really liked his scene. Yeah, we'll I did too. We'll talk about it when we get there, but, you know. Um, this is at that point where, you know, Fraser can pull off something like that. Like we talked about a bit in our the episode on the Scout, that that was kind of his last big movie for a little bit, not like a long period of time, like two years. And I wouldn't say it was because of the flops or anything, because yeah. most of the flops that he had done weren't really affecting yeah. his career all that. He's much. like consistently working throughout this time, and yeah, yeah. Go, keep going. But like his big mark is basically like he's a known quantity now. Mm-hmm. So he can pop up in cameo roles in movies like this. He's uncredited in this movie. Yeah. But like he'll pop him in this. He'll pop him in our episode next week, Brain Candy, which is a Kids in the Hall special. Like he has a cameo in it because yeah. people know who Brendan Fraser is now. Now, Jeff, then what do you suspect was his initial reasoning of taking this time off? I don't think he inherently took time off. I think he was waiting for the role he wanted to do. He was just doing these small roles and bit parts. Just buying um, his time until I mean, the... you know, he's a, the lead in The Passion of Darkly Noon. He's yeah. in um, Mrs. Winterborn. Like, he's doing stuff. He's pretty consistently working. Yeah. He just, like, doesn't get the uh, the next big offer until George of the Jungle. Yeah. Interesting. Um, But, yeah, I'd say you know, Leslie Linka-Gladder is, yeah. I think, we can firmly say a popular TV director nowadays. Yes. yes. She is currently the uh, president of the Directors Guild of America. Yeah. And she does a lot of um, 
Um, like she's done Homecoming. Yeah, like Homecoming, ER, uh, House ER. MD, Mad Men. She yeah. Has, she, she did Pretty Little Liars. She she has a repertoire, very yeah. big repertoire. Yes. Uh, a few Emmy nominations. Um, she, I don't think she has an Emmy in her name. Yeah. yeah. She did some Twin Peaks. Yeah. So did, like very established TV director. And this film reads like a extended TV yeah. movie. So fun fact, this is her only theatrical movie. Yeah. Was the only, everything else was a TV movie or a TV reads, show. It kind of reads that way a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It feels like a like a TV movie, really. Well, I mean, do you know what the the writer of this movie went on to do? No. I did not so look the, at the writer at all. The writer of this movie, uh, I Marlene King, went on to make Pretty Little Liars. Okay. The TV show. Yeah. Which she said is very much based inspired by this movie. Interesting. Um, like Pretty Little Liars is like the adult kind of I don't want to say a remake of Pretty Little Liars, but it's it takes a lot of the same, you know, guts and blood and whatnot. Yeah. Because it's it's October, so I had to use the guts and blood. It is Allegra. October. And this episode will come out, though, in November. You folks are listening to this episode on um, uh, November 11th. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. It was 11-11. Uh, make a wish. Yeah. 11-11-22. Uh, yes. It's, it's, well, 11 plus 11 makes 22. Yeah. It's a very lucky day. It is a very lucky day. Yeah. Uh, to- in total, it's a 44. Right. Yes. Okay. So okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, this is um this movie is written by Armalyn King before she does Pretty Little Liars, obviously. This is her first produced screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um she goes from this and she goes on mostly to do Pretty Little Liars for the rest of her career. Yeah. Um it's like yeah. Pretty Little Liars and like all these Pretty Little Liars spin offs and Pretty Little Liars original sin. <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh it just I'm just gonna say this on the front end, Jeff. Uh, yeah. pleasant little movie for me. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I mean, it, you get what you get out of yeah. it. it. It don't expect like you know miraculous lessons to be yeah. learned and the, all these profound things. But you know, if you're just looking for something with like this movie, basically, its notability is less in the you know the quality of the movie and more the content of the movie. Yeah, this movie became a cult classic. Um. Because it's one of the few like coming of age movies of this ilk, which is about women, it's about girls, yeah, it's about four twelve year old girls, yeah. And the whole time watching this, I kept feeling like this is very Stand by Me inspired, right? And it feels very Stephen Kingy, right? Well, I was just about to say, what if it part one did not have a scary clown and they were all girls? Yeah. It it this feels very much like it. It feels very much like Stand By Me. Yeah. A lot of the threads that Stephen King plays with are played with in this movie. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting because Stephen King does, you know, he writes a lot about guys. Yeah. And young boys, and he's written movies and or books with female protagonists. But it is it is a criticism of his work that sometimes you know the female element can be a little underwritten. Yeah. Um. And so I think it's interesting to take that kind of genre, that stylism, and kind of transpose it through the female lens with four preteen girls yeah. as the leads. Who I would say are all doing very a good. very good job uh, at their age. I think Christina Ricci is a standout only because it's I... It's Christina Ricci. It's Christina Ricci it, who is still working to this day, still doing some really amazing yeah. work. I feel like her childhood acting days were especially like a highlight. Like, you know, like, like Haley Joel Osment still doing stuff, but I feel like yeah. you look at him and you remember what he did when he was a kid somewhat similar to like Christina Ricci, but with the emphasis that she's still doing some good work today. Yeah. I mean, but you can't help look at Christina Ricci and not think about Casper, the friendly ghost. Yeah. In my opinion, like Christina Ricci, like her career is in terms of big things is like, she does the two Adams family movies. She's in Casper. 
She does this. Um, and that's like, you know, her really defining moments as a preteen actress. Yeah. And she has a lot afterwards. Not like that's all she does. Of course. Uh, she's in The Ice Storm, which is a phenomenal movie, if you've never seen it. Mm-mm, but I would recommend The Ice Storm to uh, those who are curious and looking for a good movie to watch tonight. It's yeah. rather miserable. Good movie. Interesting. Ice Storm? Yeah, The when Ice did, Storm. When did it come out? Uh, here, Stuart, watch this. Watch this. What? <laughs> he owns it. Jeff Sweeney owns it. Wow. You own the ice storm. I do. I do own the ice storm. Good movie. Um, it's an Ang Lee movie. Wow. Oh my God, this, this fucking chair. You good? Yeah, I'm you fine. Good, you good, I'm, bro? I'm fine. Look at but, that cast. Kevin Klein, Joan, uh, Joan Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Tobey Maguire, yeah. Elijah Wood. Wow. Tobey Maguire plays a kid in it who's who loves comic books and the whole movie kind of just is allegorized. And directed by our good friend Angli. the yeah, director yeah. of Hulk on You should watch this movie. I think you'd like it. I, I will I'll I'll uh, if it's any on any streaming platforms yeah. I'll, or even on Amazon, I'll prime yeah. it. I'll prime it for sure. Yeah. Um dope. Anyway, yeah, I'll give it a uh, it's kind of a miserable movie, but it's a very good one. But Christina Ricci, incredible. Uh, she's great. She's great in this movie. Yes. Uh, the the rest of this movie, the main, the core cast and the core structure of this movie, is that it's four adult women looking back on their childhood. Yeah. I think the structure hurts this movie though. And I feel like it's a common issue. Yeah. With these, like, let's think about our childhood movies, which is always what is what is usually the core problem of those movies, Jeff. Um. When it comes to like jumping between the two, yes, I think the core problem is this is that it doesn't do it enough. No, 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 no. So, well, I agree with that. No, it's the same problem with like I feel like with it, with uh, like the other movies, like Stand By. I don't, yeah. I, I haven't seen Stand By Me fucking forever, but like great movie with with other movies that like start with like the older versions yeah. and then the rest of the eighty percent middle, we go into the kids' lives and then we finish off with the adults. Is that we don't care about the adults. Yeah. We never did. We never do. And they don't contribute anything. Because mm-hmm. that I always feel like that's like, and again, I, I just can't think of them, but there's plenty of movies with a similar structure like this, Stand By Me, It, where they have these... Like por- the kids are the standouts. The kids are the standouts. We love the kids. We want to stay with the kids. And then it's like when they end with the, with the adults, it's like we're waiting to go back to the kids because yeah. those are the characters we're waiting to learn more about. And it also just kind of hurts a little bit with stakes because you know they all live you know they all none of them are gonna get sick and die randomly Mm -hmm. like so that's where you know i felt like um i mean this is very very different movie but like uh little women yeah sort of helps with that where it's it's just the same actresses it's a lot more chronological speaking yeah. and so there's some stakes involved and like when one of the sisters dies it doesn't it doesn't like mess up any of the continuity with that mm. and so i mean little woman has a fair bit of like jumping around it, it does but enough jumping around to where you know it it leaves some clues but doesn't show its yeah. hand does that make sense yeah that makes sense because it's like it'd be like if Imagine in Stephen King's it, the the adults sit around a table and they start talking. Then we flash back to the kids, and one of the kids dies, and then you got to flash forward, and one of the adults is actually a ghost. Yeah, like that's kind of like okay, well, like that's kind of bullshit. Well, that's the thing is, 
it, it the book does do that. It the book has characters like die in the first two pages and then they're in the rest of the book until they you know. But I'm just saying, like in the in the pr- perspective of laying down the stakes, yeah. When we've already seen that they've all made it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I understand that. So it's a common problem in yeah. movies with this type of structure. That being said, we still find the charm nonetheless. Yeah. So because I think the core problem in this movie is that it starts off with um like the four adults. Yep. And then it goes to them as kids and stays with them as kids for an hour and a half. Yep. And then it goes back to the adults for the last five minutes. Yep. And like this doesn't like we're I'm struggling to figure out what the the arc here is. Yeah. Because like the structure like the core of the movie I'll just jump right into the the idea, the story. Yeah. The opening of this movie is that there's four women played by Demi Moore, Rosie O'Donnell, Rita Wilson, and Melanie Griffith. Yeah. Who are coming together because Rita Wilson's about to have a baby. Yeah. And they made a pact as kids that they would never um That when something to- big happens in their they lives, would come together. they would come together. The thing is the movie actually never shows that pact being made. Doesn't it, it? It does. Does it at the very end? Uh, I remember I, the scene when Christina Ricci gets upset and breaks. Up yes. Here. Okay. They make it there. Yeah. They, that's when yes, they make the pact. Yes. Okay. But you know they make this pact, and so they're all coming together. And Demi Moore is very nervous about this. See what happens when I take notes on the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Demi Moore is like a writer. Yeah. Sure. It's sci-fi. Um, science yeah. fiction. And she's coming together, and she's like a chain smoke. They like kind of go over the top with how much she changed. Yeah, and, and keep talking, but there because I think there was um, there's actually a change. This is an IMDb trivia thing about one of the an earlier draft of the screenplay that they changed was um, uh, oh, so this is an IMDb thing. So state this however you will, like whether it's true yeah. or not. But uh, Rosie O'Donnell, who plays the older version of Christina Ricci, Roberta, yeah. Um, Rosie O'Donnell stated, I'm reading straight from the, the IMDb trivia page, has stated that the character of Roberta was supposed to be a lesbian, but the film was later re-edited and she was made straight. The line, Roberta lives in sin with her boyfriend, was looped in at the last minute. Yeah. Seven years after the movie was... Seven years after the movie was released, O'Donnell came out as a real-life... Yeah. yeah. So, and I, I think... I, I would have found that more believable if it was the Samantha character. Yeah. More or less. Does that make sense? Because, like... When Demi Moore comes into the picture, she seems like she's someone who's never found love in her life, yeah. and she's more or less in that sort of decrepit, like, I, think, I won't say goth. I but. think this movie works a lot better if the adults aren't in it. I'll just say that's... Well, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Because the adults, like, we either need to cut back to them more, or we just don't need this. Right. Because the opening is like they're coming together, and Demi Moore's very nervous about it. I have a And sweet, then at the end yeah. of the movie, they're like, isn't it great that we're still friends? Yeah. And that's 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 and there's no all we get learned. out of the adult. Like we don't need the ne- we don't need the now. We just need the then. Right. But I have a sweet spot for movies that you know start off with the folks as adults, goes back to yeah. sort of the problems laid out with them as kids, and then we follow them back as adults, where they finally yeah. understand the life lessons that they were supposed to learn as kids, but took them until they were adults. Stand by me. Does it's it well? Almost like I made I did that in a short film that I made, Jeff. You did do that, but yours cut a little more frequently. Yeah, um, it did. And Stand By Me has this exact same structure. But I think it does it real well because like, it's just Richard Dreyfus at the beginning. Yeah. And he's reading the article about how one of his friends died. Yeah. He has no dialogue. Mm-hmm. It just goes in. He starts narrating. Yeah. At the very end of the movie, we go back to Richard Dreyfus and he's writing the story about the childhood. Yeah. And that's it. And we see that he's okay and he has kids of his own now. Yeah. That's all we need. Yeah. Um, 
this movie, like, there's a little just too much business with, like, we're introduced to all the, the women as they've grown up and, like, you know, one's a but sci-fi we, writer and one's Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> but that's my point. Yeah. You just you just made that point very clear, that which I was about to say yeah. is, like, what do we know about any of the other women other than, like, like yeah. what was it, Teeny, uh, who's the... An uh, actress. She's an actress. Melanie Griffith. Married a rich husband or so or something. Uh, and then we get uh, Roberta, who still lives in Indiana, because it's her house, right? Yeah, it's her house, and she still lives in Indiana. She hasn't married, I don't think. Or yeah, she's... Rosie O'Donnell and uh, Chrissy, played by Rita Wilson, are the two who live in Indiana. And Chrissy, where where's Chrissy's? Chrissy's the one having the baby, but like, what's her development outside of that? Exactly. She got married, she has, and now she's having a kid. She's having a kid. But, like, that's the thing is, like, there's no... I feel like, you know, We Samantha, don't get any context with these the older versions of these characters. No. Sam, we get a little bit with Samantha, but yeah. not really with anybody else. Yeah. So, that that's that's definitely a flaw in this movie, mm. which, yeah, it is what it is. But then the kid stuff is very compelling. Yeah. I found the kid stuff very good. And it's sold by how good the kids yeah. are performing. And they're all very good at being younger versions of these like famous actresses. It's not hard to do though when we've only seen them for five minutes. Yeah. Though, but like just from our cultural knowledge of like Demi Moore and Melanie Griffith and Rita Wilson, and Rosie O'Donnell, like they're pretty good at playing that energy of those actresses. Yeah. Um, the only thing I will say, these, these people, these kids are from Indiana, and Christina Ricci. It's like at the beginning of the movie, she talks like Christina Ricci. And then, like, she turns into Rosie O'Donnell who's talking like she's from Long Island. <laughs> yeah, she like, really does. Rosie like, O'Donnell's like, I am born and raised in Indiana. How you doing, you know? It's like, get <laughs> it's like, out of the fucking car. I'm going to drive the car to the hospital. She's like, I'm going to drive it. I'm going to drive it. I got to drive it. And I'm it's like, like okay. I'm going to do it, man. Wait, wait you got to get out. When did Rosie move? <laughs> to, oh when did Roberta God. move to Long Island? It's so funny. So, so, so funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Rosie O'Donnell. She's great. Um, yeah. Um, I want to talk about Gabby Hoffman played the younger version of Samantha. Yeah. Another standout performance. Yeah. But I'm looking at her IMDb and she's doing some stuff, but it just, yeah. it seems like she hasn't really been. I mean, that's the, the, the tragedy of child actors. Yeah. Like she's done a little bit, but. And she's, she's like popping on and stuff, but a lot of child actors, you know, they, they, when they get older, they struggle to find work. Yeah. They age Cause out. people just are so recognize them so much yeah as their adult versions of themselves well, it's just a shame i need to find something that she's been in and watch it and see how she's aged as an actress because i bet she was... she was a main character in the show transparent which was the jeffrey tambor um uh show about um a trans woman okay um that he was not in the finale for obvious reasons wait what uh jeffrey tambor was not in the finale of transparent because of sexual harassment allegations oh just unfortunate I, I I wasn't aware, but of she that. did like five seasons of that, so she has done a a decent amount of work. Yeah. Um, uh. do we just like dive into the plot of this? Um, there's not like I I feel like the context was basically that it's, you know yeah that's Marlene basically King, all it is, and that it has this reputation a well deserved one, um as being like stand by me for women like girls having a movie of their own to watch like slumber part was specifically like cited that this was a big yeah. slumber party movie right and then you know it embraces like young girls issues in a real way it doesn't brush them off like a lot of you know male centered entertainment does right no it lets, it lets these young girls like you know um tackle like the issues of their lives and like i mean one of the first scenes is christina ricci like taping up her boobs yeah and being upset that she's developing boobs right and if this was made for a male audience i 
Jer to challenge the audience to answer that question for themselves if that's something that a male director would no, put in. Not a remotely. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think I'm good to just jump right yeah. in. But, but I love the first, like, I mean, I'm skipping past the first adult bit when they arrive. So going straight to the kids, you know, it's like back in 19, some, it was like that summer in the 70s in Indiana, Shelby, Indiana, which there is a Shelby, Indiana, by the way, or mm-hmm. I think, well, there was a IMDb thing that it's like loosely based off a real town in Indiana, which is, um, uh, just, I'm sorry, give me like a two seconds, folks, uh, the movie it's actually written about a town in Indiana, Indiana named Winchester, and it's Gaslight Edition because the movie was originally called the Gaslight Edition. Yeah, uh, which is quoted in the um, uh, quoted in the movie, quoted in the book, and um, yeah. So I looked up Winchester, Indiana, and just to fill in some context, not like I'm from Indiana. the The first Christina Ricci narration was, you know. In Indiana, like you're the 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 number one leading cause of death in in Shelby, Indiana, is boredom, and that immediately made me laugh because yeah. I was like, yeah, you got that damn right. Uh, but Winchester, for my Indiana folks, if you imagine Indianapolis being the dead center of the yeah. state, it is like um, a maybe like an hour, hour and a half or so due east of Indianapolis. Okay. It's very close to the Ohio border, which is also something to mention. It is exactly. Let uh, no. it is exactly Start a thirty-minute drive from Muncie, Indiana, where we get the Harvard of Muncie, Ball State University, chirp chirp, motherfuckers. That's where I went oh my, my undergrad. God. So so at one yeah. point, Stuart under- says all this about Indiana. This movie's filmed in Georgia. <laughs> um, <laughs> this movie was entirely in Savannah. This Georgia. movie was entirely filmed in Savannah, Georgia. Which I saw that and I was like, mm. <laughs> because like, does it still look like Indiana? Does this read like Indiana to you? There are some. I mean, there's Stuart. Not a- does this read like Indiana to you? <laughs> no, yes or no question. No, no, okay. no it does not. There's not. It a- does kind of be looking like the South. <laughs> I, it, there's too many trees. There's not yeah. enough corn fields yeah it, i i i dare you to even think about the idea it's like is there a, maybe there's section of indiana more trees and cornfields no that doesn't <laughs> exist not unless you're in brown county where there's the brown county state yeah, park there but. there was that really weird part where they're like swinging from the tire swing over the the river and then huckleberry finn actually rode by <laughs> it's a little strange you know? um yeah so uh, it, it doesn't i mean it's doable yeah like i didn't think about it too much as an yeah. audience member like this isn't indiana yeah um one of the movies that angered me the most that it was like it takes place in indiana was um uh stranger things all the bright things which was a netflix movie with ellie fanning and somebody else all the bright things all the bright places all the bright places Get your shit together. and here's the thing it was filmed in cleveland ohio Right next door to Indiana. But the premise of the movie is that they go to 10 unique places in Indiana. It's literally the premise of the movie. Did you only watch this movie because of that? No, I actually watched it because it actually had like decent reviews. It was actually kind of a good okay. movie. I recommend it. All right. Copy that. It's a trigger warning for teen suicide for folks okay. who you get triggered by that. But yeah. But they filmed it in Cleveland, Ohio. Must have been upsetting. It was very upsetting. Everything that's filmed, like, and it quote-unquote takes place in Indiana, they always shoot it in fucking Ohio, and it <laughs> makes me so mad. So mad that Ohio gets all the Indiana filming, but whatever. Uh, 
but when have you heard of anything that takes place in Ohio? Uh, Wild Hogs, the opening scene, and that's it. Yeah. So, okay. so we start this when we get into the kids. Um, it's Samantha, who's the Demi Moore, Gabby Hoffman role. Roberta, who's Christina Ricci, Rosie O'Donnell. Yes. Chrissy, who's Ashley Aston Moore and Rita Wilson. Mm-hmm. And then Teeny, who's Thora Birch, Melanie Griffith. When I saw this, and I know, yes, you were thinking Stand By Me for Girls. I was thinking Midwest Sex in the City. That was kind of where, where my first thought went, because they literally had a Samantha. Interesting. So, but that was just my thing. And they had the, the voiceover. So, but yeah. Thora Birch, who's young, Teeny was in The Walking Dead. Interesting. Teeny was in The Walking Dead? Yeah. Like the child actress? Yeah, or the... the child actress. She was Gamma slash Mary. Don't know. I've never watched uh, The Walking Dead. Uh, first four seasons. Pretty good. Um, uh, been married yeah. three times. Shelby, Indiana, back in the summer. Uh, yeah. So we first get introduced to Samantha first. Yes, because she's essentially the lead of the movie. Even though yeah. Rosie O'Donnell gets top billing, even though she's in like three scenes of this movie, yeah. being like, oh, you're having a baby. It's great. It's coming out. I'm pulling, I'm pulling it out right now. And that's Rosie O'Donnell's role. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> that's, that's all she does in this movie. Uh, but yeah, Samantha is sort of like the talked about lead. Yeah, but she's like the, she's like, in in the clicky way, she's quote unquote the weird one. She's like encouraging them to do seances in the woods. Yeah. And she likes science fiction. Right. Um, but we immediately get um, and the movie does it in a pretty good way where she lives in a, a broken household that her family's constantly fighting. She has a younger sister. Yeah. Uh, and that'll, that'll develop further. And then we cut to Roberta. Christina Ricci. Yep. Whose first thing she's sort of dealing with is her sort mom of, died is her, her mother died. Um, and she's sort of transitioning into a more mature, uh, form of womanhood that she doesn't have a guiding figure to help her through yeah. that. And so, uh, agency, <laughs> yes, isn't it great in women? Yeah. Um, but well, the first thing we see is she's taping up her boobs to make it smaller, and then yeah. she grabs her photo of her her uh, deceased yeah. mother, and she has four younger brothers. So she, yeah. we're she's that's gonna lead us to develop that she's more of like the tomboy of the group. Yeah. Um, and then we're introduced to Chrissy, who's uh, Ashley Aston Moore, Rita Wilson. Yeah, and she who's like the the, the strict, the naive, like naive, coddled. Yeah, um, coddle child. Yeah, the coddle child. Like, all four of these girls fit into very specific, like, you know, stereotype. Or I don't yeah. want to say stereotypes, like, um, cliches for these types of movies. Yeah. Like, these four archetype Archetype is the word I was looking for. Yeah. These four archetypes are in it. They're in Stand By Me. Yeah. Like, it's the same structure of the four. I would say, like, Teeny's character, they have a little bit of setup. Yeah. But they, they don't do too much with Teeny's yeah, character. We don't learn much about Teeny. Because well, I wrote down, because I wrote down all four girls' introductions in order. It was Sam, Roberta, Teeny, and Chrissy. And the only thing I wrote down with Teeny was Teeny, only child, absent parents, want to be an actress. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I don't really feel like we got much more. Yeah, we more don't get anything more. And her childhood. She's the least. Um compelling of the four leads yeah and because like there's she has no arc in this movie yeah she's just there to be the fourth one yeah the entertaining one but pretty much yeah yeah. uh and then we get the wormers yeah the fucking wormers the four male bullies and i wrote down ha 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 toxic male behavior boys will be boys yeah devin sawa who we've talked about on the show before Uh, remind me um he because he was in the fanatic oh right and life on the line He's one of those four kids. <sighs> the kid doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't know, know where he's going to go. Yeah, his, his big moves. 
Um, and their initial, the spine of this movie, and this is something that another point that I liked about this movie, which I think is present in a lot of other these looking back on our childhood esque yeah. movies, is it's a very thin spine. And what I mean by spine is this is a film school term. Time to put on my nerdy glasses mm -hmm. here. Is what do the characters want and how do they get it? So it's like, I'm, let me put my film school glasses on. Um, this movie, you know, characters need goals. Right. <laughs> it's like, wow, shocker there. Well, what is the kid's goal in this movie? Um, and if you say it's to figure out what happened to Johnny, that they discover that later. Yeah. But what is their initial onset catal catalyst goal? They don't necessarily have one at the very beginning. It's to buy a treehouse. Oh, yeah, it's to buy a tree. You were correct. They do have Which one. is finalized at the end when yeah. we see the treehouse. Tree but how much like we don't spend a lot of time yeah. i guess there was another imdb trivia thing where they cut a whole scene where they have like a lemonade stand at a carnival yeah. or something and they were trying to raise money for a tree house and then they cut it out yeah but i think it was a smart move just because we quickly lose interest and in yeah we don't this. care about their treehouse arc because then they then they develop a new arc in the whole dear johnny yeah. thing which we'll we'll talk more yeah. when we get there because, like, we spend probably, like, 30 minutes just kind of, like, hanging out with these kids, which I like. We get to, like, meet them all and understand them. Yeah. You know, they get their first diner scene together, which is the first scene where we get, like, all four yeah. together. And we get a lot of, like... And we get the... Stru we we learn the, like, structures of their world. Yeah. Right? There's four kids. They go to the diner. They want to buy a treehouse. They're there's, dynamic with each other. There's four boys who they fight with a lot. Yep. Um, we understand where they all fit into, like, the ecosystem of this town. Yeah. Yeah. They live in a pre-planned community, and there's an old guy named Crazy Pete who rides around on a bike and terrorizes kids, apparently. Yeah. It, it's the Home Alone creepy neighbor trope. Yeah. Like, all the, like, the tropes and archetypes of these types of movies are present here. Are, yeah, absolutely. We're establishing it very quickly. But did it, it didn't bug you. No, it didn't bug me that yeah, much. it didn't like, bug it, me either. It's, you, you, archetypes exist for a reason, and so that you can quickly establish something like this without having to go too deep into it. And, hey, like, sometimes, like, we like these archetypes. That's why they're archetypes. That's because people, they work. Yeah. Uh, quickly, you know, there's a, a few more development. Like Sam's dad quickly walks out. Yeah. And the moment that happens, they sneak out and they do the first seance. Yeah, scene. they do a seance. In the cemetery. In the cemetery. And they're like, we should summon someone who's buried here. And I was like, oh my God, are they about to summon uh, Christina Ricci's dead mom? <laughs> I was like, no, this cannot be Do you be really think that's where it was I going? I thought that's exactly where it was going. Oh my God. And they're like, what about that gravestone? It says, dear Johnny, let's find out how he died. Yeah, this is where I really it really looked TV for me. Yeah, it looks this movie looks very TV. The moonlight in this movie is like blue, blue. not like not like normal movie blue, like bright blue. Like everything is overlit. Yeah. So, uh, and their special effects department did not spare no expense because that foggy cemetery yeah. is fogged up. Yes. Uh, but they do a, a seance. Sam is the one sort of running it. Yeah. Uh, she's the one that's like more into like the tarot cards and all that yeah. stuff. And she's running the seance while the girls are sort of like more or less peer pressured yeah. into doing it. Uh, and they play a few jokes and laughs, but eventually um, a storm breaks out. Like, yeah, uh, and they think it's dear Johnny communicating with them. And right. They need to find out how he died. This is where we get a crazy Pete sneak peek. Yeah. Uh, and, and to emphasize, dear, uh, dear Johnny is listed as being 12 years old when he died. Yes, which you can you can discern that just by looking at the gravestone yeah. by with the math. It was like 1933, yeah. died 1940. And so they run away from the storm, and they see Crazy Pete riding his bike into the cemetery. Yeah. Spooky. Um, and then they go back to their homes. They have a cool little yeah. 
communication system. The, yeah, the, this communication system is rather complex. It is very complex. Because it's that Christina Ricci pulls a string. Yes. In her apartment that connects the house next door. Yes. Where Sam, Samantha has a string or that she returns. And then she gets a flashlight and signals signs the other the flashlight girl. into Teeny uh, Teeny's window. Yes. Which wakes Teeny up. And then Teeny picks up a walkie-talkie to communicate with, with Chrissy. Chrissy. I'm like, why don't they always have walkie-talkies? She's like, Chrissy, wake up! Why don't they just get four walkie-talkies? What's going on here? I, that's exactly my yeah. thought. It's like, could you just get two It's fun, though. I like it. It's fun. Um, I like over complex things. Yeah. They go back to the cemetery Yes. And they're like, oh, like we got to figure out De Dear Johnny. Yeah. Where's Dear Johnny? And then... The gravestone has been shattered. Broken. Yes. <gasps> Dear Johnny is back. He's back, baby. He's back. They go to the town records and try and find anything, but apparently all the records were destroyed in a fire in 1970-something. Like, so they have to go to the next tell town over. Hey, tell me this isn't it without telling me this yeah. isn't it. They need to find... <laughs> so they need to go to the next town over. They got to so, ride their bikes all the way to Greenwood, Indiana, yeah. which is a real suburb of Indianapolis, which great, makes sense. Great. And the, the geography of things. Great. I'm so happy for you that you get to actually use your knowledge of growing up in Indiana for Thank something you. good. Thank um, you. It's a long bike ride, though. It's a and, decent, like, it's a whole day excursion for them. I could tell. I was watching this. I'm like, this is Jeff Sweeney's scene right here. Because yeah. I know you love road trips. I do love road trips. And basically like a glorified and they, And they're just trip. playing like 70s rock when they're on these bikes. Yeah. And they, they're so they're riding from one town to the other. Yeah. At this point, I start suspecting. I'm like, because they say I was like, I think that the deaths are connected. I think that her mom's death and the dear Johnny's death are going to be connected. Hmm. And they weren't, but they should have been. Right. Um, uh, well, maybe they I, shouldn't have been. But I, I liked that they were. Yeah. Because it would have made Christina Ricci's later more impactful scene slightly yeah. more fakeish, in my it should opinion. Should have been her mom killed dear Johnny. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me oh. being earnest <laughs> yeah um um so they're they're right they ride to this town greenview is that the name greenfield, greenfield. or something like that they ride to the town they go to the records oh wait, wait man wait i'm sorry no there's just like a two of two subplots that i wanted okay. to talk about go for it. you're right that's what happens but there's two in between oh, they come across the the boys right well there's so there's the gas station scene which not a lot happens but then they go to the pond yeah and it's a it's an it's a nice little scene because you know they get in the pond they all start swimming and then roberta climbs to the tree she's like i'm gonna jump but they're like no roberta it's too shallow and she jumps and she like slowly floats up. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, Roberta! Yeah. And then like they drag her on the shore, and it's like we gotta give her mouth to mouth. And then Roberta like jokingly wakes yeah. up, but then Chrissy is like so upset at Roberta. Yeah, she's like, faked why the death. fuck would you do that? She punches her in the face. And then there's some narration of like Roberta always made death a joke. Yeah, because she's be hasn't gotten over her mom's death. Because she's still like coping with her mom's death. And I yeah. thought, now, question. Yes. Now. I like to think I'm smart enough I could have determined that without the voiceover. Yeah. Maybe I maybe I'm not, but what were your thoughts? Um there's a I mean the voiceover in this movie's fine. There's but some I don't parts think we needed all of it. There's some parts where it's a little bit Yeah, a little over explained. A little over explained. It doesn't let the yeah. subtext just be text. Yeah, I agree. A thousand percent. And it textualizes the subtext. Yeah. Um, like I kind of like I got out of Christina Ricci that she makes death a joke because she keeps fucking doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I understand that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they they go a little further down the pond and they find the, the four, boys. the, the what are they called? The wormers. the wormers. So they steal their clothes and ride away 
with their clothes on bikes. The boys are running at them buck-ass yeah, naked. Buck-ass naked. And they throw a few of the clothes behind. For the most part, they go away. Yeah. And then they, they make it to Greenfield. Yep. They get the... Um, they go through the records. And while they're looking for information on Dear Johnny's death, they instead find information on Christina Ricci's mom's death. Yeah, Roberta's mom. Which yeah. in, she reads in the newspaper like she was tr- her mom was trapped in a car wreck for an yeah. hour... It's, she died at the hospital overnight. Yeah. Which was different than what her dad told her. And her dad told her, like, your mom was picked up by an angel and taken away to heaven. Yeah. She felt no pain. I felt like this was a this was a tough one for me, only because like on one hand, we're told a lot. Yeah. Which is but like it understandably we're told because we don't we, I don't want a flashback within a flashback. Yeah. But there could have been like one dialogue scene with Roberta and her dad. But you notice that there's a lack of a lot of parents in this movie. Yeah. Which is purposeful. It's you it's it's not unique to this movie. It's a very common pattern. A lot of childhood flashback movies. Yeah. Like Stand By Me, like it, like those other films. So like but I wonder if maybe it could have been slightly more impactful if like it weren't wasn't just told to us that like yeah. Well, my dad told me like she passed away peacefully and that she wasn't in any pain. And then the news clipping made her discover, oh no, like it was very painful. Yeah, and she it was a very painful, long, slow death. So, it a very uh, worthy like plot thing to discover. But I wonder if we could have dis- learned of the initial story in a better way. Does yeah. that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah, but still pretty impactful. Yeah. Christina Ricci not- nails She's it. She's very good in that scene. Yeah. Um, but then they do end up finding a little bit about Dear Johnny's death, which is that he and his mom died, but the pages have been ripped out. Yeah. Whoa. Somebody's trying to cover something Somebody's up. Somebody's covering it up. Yeah. And so they leave and they're like, well, we have to find out who did it. Yeah. And so they're riding home on their bikes. And then it's the 43, no, it's the 44 minute mark. Exactly. Yeah. I looked they at They come it. across a guy walking down the road. Dude, who is it? It's Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Fraser. <laughs> He's back, baby. He's back. And he is, he looks good. I mean, like, he, he doesn't look good, but. He, he looks good, not like. He looks good, good, not looking good. He's kind of looking like a snack. He does. Uh, purposefully. Yes. Um, what I like about this is this is sort of more or less akin to, like, the dudes on the road trip road trip driving down like the highway and seeing like a hot girl yeah on the side of the road this is kind of the reverse yeah. play of that so, uh, sort it's of like the four girls and they come across an attractive guy on the road yeah and these car kind of poke at him yeah like you were in the arm and he's like was they say you were in vietnam was, was. Like, not a lot of dialogue and you said and they said do you kill anybody he said not by my choice yeah and it's kind of established he's kind of like a rattled vet yeah um, he said he he's walking with a limp because he got shot in the leg, and he says the best thing that happened to me is I got to leave. Yeah. And so he's kind of like he's um a disillusioned veteran. Yeah. And they're like, well, we thought we thought we were winning over there, and he's like, uh, your your parents aren't always going to tell you the truth. Yeah. And so this movie, like it, you know, every movie set in the seventies and dealing with like this kind of topic about kids is always in some way going to make the correlation between the parents and the government at the time with Vietnam. Yeah. Which lies to which, and then, and them lying to the American people. Yeah. In the same way that parents lie to their children to make them feel better. 
So this is where it draws that parallel because every movie in this time period does this. Yeah. Every single one makes the Vietnam connection. Of course. Can, it correlates parents with Nixon. Yeah. It always happens. It does its best to make it gracefully, but yeah. even then I feel yeah. like it's like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, but it's a good scene. Fraser, Fraser plays it really well. And, and folks for listening, if you think Jeff is like, retelling his audio his dialogue shorter for the sake of the time of this podcast he's not you're not he really is just like was yeah, yeah. he says no. was like he literally like brendan Fraser. that's why that's something i don't want to sleep on when we talk about this is that he does so much with so little yeah he's very good in this scene yeah so much with so little yeah he's just like he comes in he gives the necessary gravitas he hits the kids with something that they didn't expect and they meet, like, he's a hippie, but he was in the war. He's in, like, a mess of contradictions, just himself. Yeah. And he just provides the kids with a, you know, a necessary foil that they need in that moment. Yeah. Someone to, like, rejog their memory and be like, maybe we're just not, there's lies people aren't telling us the truth about. It's fascinating he wasn't credited, because yeah. that's a pretty impactful scene. I think that's part of the reason he's uncredited, is he's just there to, you know, he comes in, drops the bomb, and he gets out. Yeah. No pun intended with Vietnam. Sure. Um... But yeah, very appreciative. Stuart, what'd you think of his hair? Uh, it was pretty regular, right? It was pretty I, basic. That's pretty basic. Um, can I? Uh, actually, let me just like cue the music while I check. Yeah, cue the music. Welcome to the hair ranking. Uh, I'm looking, I'm going to the drive. I'm looking at the, uh, uh, looking at the Travolta. He's looking at the Travolta of it all. Um, Travolting. I mean, is this, is this not what, is this not him in the movie? Almighty. This is him right here. He has the Rick O'Connell hair. Yeah, I was, I was looking at the list to see like where he was at. Um, you know what? Why don't we put this underneath, um, Put it underneath twenty bucks above airheads. Under twenty bucks above airheads. Okay, so no, a new number five. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it because it, it is the Rick O'Connell hair, and I'm sure the Rick O'Connell hair will. I almost think I might put it above four and make it the new number four, but above twenty bucks. Well, it's just you agree, like twenty bucks, and this is pretty similar. Yeah. So let's just keep it where it is. Okay, so this is the number five. This is the okay. new number five. Understood. Yeah. Okay. Um but that's the Brennan Fraser of it all. Yeah. Um love love loved him. Yeah, it's was... great to see him and it's another mark at this point in his career of just like coming in and giving consistent reliable work. Yep. An actor who can make a lot out of a one scene appearance is someone who's gonna continue to get work. With very little dialogue. Yeah. Who's gonna, you know, if he can make an impact in such a short amount of time, you have what can he do with like a full movie? Yeah. Uh, so then the girls go back to Shelby. Yes. Um, and then I wrote down yeah, they go, they go house back. and grandma. What about that? Yeah, there's a whole bit with grandma played by Cloris Leachman. We're skipping over some elements of the plot that I don't think we really need to talk about. I don't think so either. Like, you know, there's a whole business with Hank Azaria playing, um... Yeah, the Samantha's the, like the, the mom's, mom's boyfriend, boyfriend. Thing. Yeah, and the whole, like, parent Because, like, child. after the Fraser 
discussion is really the turning point of the movie. Yeah. Because after that point, we start seeing the ways the parents are lying to their kids. Yes. And their like, recognition yeah. of that. Yeah, because like she had a lot of, like Samantha had a lot of respect for her mom, like, and thought her dad was being an asshole, but now she's her mom was actually cheating on her dad. Yeah. And Christina Ricci with her dad yeah. not telling her the truth about her, uh, mom's about her mom. Death. And and Chrissy, Chrissy learning that her mom like is just very overprotective and isn't telling her what she needs to know to exist in the world. And then there's Teeny. Then there's Teeny who exists is in the movie. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, who is present? Who is present? She's in scenes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she gets. She's billed. Yes. Got paid for the role. Yeah. I mean that, that's unfortunate. I was excited to see Hank Azaria though. I do love him. Yeah. And he's fine. I thought Al Pacino was going to come in at one point and be like, Does she got a greatest? You got your head all the way up it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think the next big thing is they go to the, there's the, when they go to the first diner scene and the waitress comes up to them, they yeah. have that rumor of like, well, she's like a witch. witch. If you and guys know that. They go to her, that waitress. Yeah, they, I call her the witch waitress. The waitress. The waitress. Yes. yes. Uh, her house and they're like hey like we're looking for clues on something and it's like I, I don't know why she says yes but she no. says yes and they do a tarot card well, they, reading. Pay her, they pay her ten dollars oh yeah that's why and uh, they do a tarot card reading and it's like we want to discover what happened to dear Johnny and they, she flips over a card and it's like ten swords stabbed in the back yeah and it's like he might have been murdered bum 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 so, so they said they're going to do another seance. Yeah. Uh, so they try asking the grandma, but the grandma, I love the scene because they're like, let's, we got, let's, let's, who do we know who's, who was alive back then who might've known dear Johnny and what happened? It's like, well, my grandma, it's like, can we come talk to her? It's like, no, she's got poker night. Jeff, I cannot stress this enough how much Midwest old people love their poker nights. Yeah, and then she goes to bingo night the next night. It is so Flores Leachman funny. does a lot with a little in this. Like, she's barely in the movie. It but is she's so very funny, funny and so fucking true. <laughs> yes. But then there's a softball game. I love the softball game scene. Um, this is where the four girls, I think the four guys are there too, plus some other boys. They go to the softball game and um, Roberta goes up to bat. And she fouls one of the balls, and then the dude who's behind her keeps like making fun of her. It's like girls can't play softball, yeah. blah 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 blah. And it's like I can't. He may have said something else about yeah. her. Christina Ricci goes around. She gets him bullied up. about her dead mom a lot. Yeah, and it's really a weird thing. Yeah, it's a strange thing. It's a strange but... thing for kids to bully someone about. Like even in the movie world, I yeah. don't buy it, but whatever. And then she punches the guy in the face and beats him up, and yeah. the fight breaks out. It's great. Yeah. Um, go off. And then Sam's mom has a boyfriend. Yeah. Then, oh, this was a good scene. So when Sam comes home and sees like that her mom's boyfriend, they have dinner together. Yeah. And there's a little bit where he like spills something, and Sam plays the stereotypical yeah. teenage girl who doesn't like her yeah mom's, mom's new boyfriend. boyfriend. He spills something. He puts on the her dad's bowling shirt. Yeah. Oh. And she runs off. And she runs off. And where does she go? She goes to the roof of. Teeny's house. Yeah, where Teeny's watching the drive-in movie theater the next block over from her roof. What they missed out on is with drive-in movie theaters, usually a radio frequency yeah. you can turn tune like a handheld radio or your yeah. car to. They didn't have that. They were just watching it silently. Yeah. I thought that was that was like a. I mean, slight... they have they clearly have a walkie. They yeah. have they have like a transistor radio. They they, sh they should have had a radio on that roof, but uh, it's yeah. fine. They're watching it silently, which is cool. Yeah. But there's a tiny little scene with uh, Teeny and Sam on the roof watching the drive-in movie and. 
I don't remember what happens. They just talk. Yeah, they just talk, and then they go out, and there's a storm when they're walking back. Yeah, so we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get. Oh, to... they share a friendship bracelet or something of the sort. Something like that. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't very impactful, yeah. unfortunately. It, it doesn't register. Uh, when they're walking back but, to wherever they're going, they drop the bracelet and it goes into a storm drain. Yes. And then, uh, oddly enough, Pennywise the Dancing Clown pops <laughs> in the drain. He's like, I got your bracelet. I was already like, wow, this movie very Stephen King. And I'm like, oh, no, it's just it. <laughs> it's just it, but with four girls. Yeah. Yeah. And then Sam gets sucked in and actually Demi Moore is Pennywise. No. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> um, You'll float down here too, You'll Sam. You'll float too. Uh, but, it, okay. In uh, reality, so it's yeah. storming out. It's really, it's crazy. And yeah, Sam drops the friendship bracelet. It goes down the drain. She crawls in it, but then she can't get back out. And the rain's filling up the storm drain very quickly. Yeah. I was, when this was a part when I came over and you were still watching the movie. Yeah. And I told you this while you were watching it, but it's like, there really is no danger in the scene, Jeff. Yeah. Because as the storm drain fills up with water, she's just going to, like float higher and higher until she's able to crawl out of the storm drain. Yeah. There's no, but crazy Pete jumps in, but crazy Pete lifts up the manhole yeah. lid, crawls in and he hoists Sam out and then crawls out. And there's a nice little scene with the two of them where he's, where they're like scared of him at first. And they're like, why are you scared of me? It's like, it's just weird that you only come out at night. Yeah. It's like, well, I just, I don't like a lot of people. Yeah. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't like seeing other people. Yeah. And he's like, okay, get home safe. And yeah. then they ride off. So, wow, Crazy Pete, nice guy. And More like Nice Pete. Right. There's like a little bit of a voiceover for Debbie Moore. We learn not to judge people by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It was like, and then after that, I had never been scared of Crazy Pete. Yeah, whatever. it's like, it's the thing where like these, a lot of these movies, do, and I, I use that specific quote because a lot of times it does come down to like, a racist element in these movies and the characters like these just speak about like they pay lip service to what they learn. But if there's a, if there's another problem with this movie is that it really doesn't like do that much with that element. Right. No. Um, then there's the Roberta and, um, Scott guy. Yeah. One of the guys from the wormers. Yeah. She makes out with one of the wormers. Yeah. She's playing basketball. And then one of the boys for the wormers comes up and they play basketball together. Yeah. I thought it was a good scene. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, and then they kiss. The movie starts hitting the beats at this point. Yeah, and then there's voiceover narration where like, and then Roberta stopped taping her boobs after. Yeah, because she day. learned to be a woman. Yeah, it's like okay, like I, I'm I'm glad that this movie is like you know it's having these plot elements, but we don't need the narration. We don't need the narration. No, nah, no, I agree. Um, Sam opens up the better dad leaving. Yeah, the, yeah. They all like they finally find the evidence they need about what happened to dear Johnny. Oh yeah, they see they see Sam's grandma. They ask about Johnny, and then the grandma's like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about that. That was really yeah. terrible. What happened?" Dun dun dun. Yeah. Um, and then they find the missing news clippings up in her grandma's yeah. attic, and it said dear Johnny was killed by a burglar. A burglar, yes. Yeah, and his mom. Yeah, it was the Johnny and his mom. They yeah. were both killed, and so they go back to the cemetery for another seance. Oh, dude, what? Christina oh, yeah, Christina Ricci does have the moment there. So then, that's when when that happened. They they read that, and there's a yeah. little bit of a silent moment when they've discovered the horrible yeah. truth. And then Christina Ricci throws something at a mirror, and she has like a very emotion. She basically breaks down. Yeah. 
Great performance. And it's basically where she says, like, I can't believe my dad lied to me about my mom. This is why I... Why do all these people have to die? Why all these people have to die in such horrible ways? And I just didn't think she deserved that. Great scene. Very impactful. And I'm very glad that the mom's death... I don't know if you were joking about that or you were serious, but I am glad that the mom's death wasn't connected. Yeah, because I was expecting at this point, like, the mom accidentally crashed into the the kid. Right. I was expecting that to be the, the reveal here. I'm glad it isn't. I was joking right. when I said that. Yeah, it was. But yeah, I'm glad it wasn't because it just made the 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 breakdown much more authentic, in yes. my opinion. Like it was very believable that like yes. this little girl kind of came out in this moment. Uh, but very very powerful performance. Yes, very good, very believable. I didn't feel like it was ever like over the top child acting. Um, so yeah. Uh. Then there's a second seance scene. Yeah, they go back to the cemetery, and I actually really like this scene because the um they like are doing a seance to try oh, and summon yeah. Dear Johnny and tell like him they the discover his killer, and then like a bunch of lights just appear behind them, and a new gravestone starts floating in the air and towards like, oh them. My God, and they're like, oh my god, he's back! And then it turns out it's, it's just a like a forklift. tractor. It's a forklift lifting up the yeah. new gravestone. The guy gets out. He's like, "What are y'all kids doing here in the, in the cemetery at night?" <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, like we we thought, dear Johnny's grave. It's like, yeah, I ran that over with my tractor. I'm getting and I bought a new one. Yeah." Real talk, though. Why is this guy installing a new gravestone at, like, fucking one in the morning? (laughs) (laughs) Something fishy's going on. This is a little fishy. Why was he operating heavy machinery? I bet you didn't tell anyone he broke the gravestone. It was, like, trying to fix it. That's probably what was happening. (laughs) Which, uh, believable. Um, But the kids go to leave, and they see Crazy crazy Pete staring at the new gravestone. Yeah. And then right before Sam says, hey, I'll be right back. I got to grab something real quick. She goes over to Crazy Pete. And that's when we discover Crazy Pete is Dear Johnny's father. Yeah, that's why he's crazy because <laughs> his wife and his son were killed in a burglar. And he's like, "If only I hadn't been at the bar that day." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, it's another. It's it's like this. Movie, I will say this scene was a little bit more like hand over fisted. Yeah. There's a little bit of like there's too much like gravy in yeah. this movie. Like that was a little bit gravy. A little too much like narration. A little too much explanation. Like. I don't know if we need Crazy Pete to have like been a drunk as a young man. Yeah, we could have just been like, he could. He could have said he was gone at the yeah. war. Maybe yeah, he was could, off like to, because this World War Two was happening. Like I know this movie's time. like filled with older people who are filled with regrets, and they're trying to tell these kids not to be filled with regrets. So like that's fine, but it's another element where it's not fully fleshed out enough. Yeah, but then and he it talk- tries to get away with it through narration. Yeah, he talks to Sam about. You know, I try one, you know, a terrible thing happened to me and I turned against the world and you shouldn't do the same yeah. because I wasted a lot of years. It's a life lesson he's trying to give to Sam at that moment. Yeah. Um. So then Sam goes back like she, you know, has puts flowers on the gravestone and then we cut to day treehouse mm-hmm. this is where the kids have got their treehouse did yeah. we care did we lo- know how yeah, they, they have a treehouse like- yeah they just have a treehouse i didn't really care too yeah. much about not like forgetting yeah. about it uh, but- they all packed that they'll come together when in the future yeah. when everything big happens and we forgot that because that happened when christina yeah, Ricci broke down in the attic yeah. that they when after she was done they made the pact that if anything big happens in our lives we'll come back together yeah because they all, it's the same thing like it. It's like, hey, we're all going to move away. We're all going to have separate lives. But the clown comes back. And we're going to come. We're going to come. 
And the clown does come back and the clown in chapter does come, two. Yeah. And so this a movie is that sort of, no one likes except for me. Why? I don't know. I like I like it chapter two. It's Why do you like it chapter two? Good movie. Well, okay, but I need more. Look, that movie has so much vomiting in it. It's insane. But like taking A-class Oscar-worthy actors and making them bad. They're good. James McAvoy is terrible in that He's movie. He's very good in that movie. Um, They're all good in that movie. Jessica Chastain, terrible good in that, in that movie. movie. Bill Hader Great is in that movie. okay in that He's the only stomachable Look, part about that movie. That movie is so funny. It's so ridiculous. It's the most like... You're authentic. viewing it through the sense of a standalone comedy movie. Like... I'm viewing it as the a first one is a, The first one is a better movie. But yeah. the second one is like so entertaining. It's so coked out. It reads like a coked out Stephen King book. If you're watching it through that lens, yes. But if you're watching it through the lens of this is a sequel to It Chapter One, it's bad. There's a part where a disembodied head falls out of a fridge and grows spider legs. And then there's like this rapid dolly push into Bill Hader's face. And he goes, it's Stan. Because <laughs> it's Stan's head. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like yeah, I can't. But he's fault, like, he's like, like I, it's Stan. I can't, I can't fault you for why you think it's a good movie. It's just because I know Look, you're viewing it through a Stephen different Stephen King lens. books are inherently very coked out because he was coked out when he wrote them. Yes. As a young man. It may be the most coked out of them all. He does not remember writing that book very much. Yeah, no shit. And the second movie is so fucking coked out. I love it. Again, through that lens, yeah. I understand. But through the other lens, I can see where it's a very yeah. bad movie. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. Um, so then after the treehouse bit, they have there's some more narration, unnecessary narration, where it's like, and then we all, you know, we thought the treehouse would bring us closer together, but it turned out it made us all independent people. And then we moved away with our lives. And then cut back to... Rosie O'Donnell, yeah. Demi Moore, uh, Rita Wilson, and what's the other one's name? Catherine something. Uh, uh, Rita. Uh, oh God, Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. That's it. Um, where uh, Chrissy is having her baby, mm -hmm. and so then they're rushing to the car. They get in this limo. Rosie O'Donnell does her Long Island shtick. They drive to the hospital. Rosie O'Donnell is also a doctor, I guess. I didn't remember yeah. this part, but. I don't know. I guess it was, they give birth to the kid. They get they you know they deliver the baby. Well, first they go girl. they go up to this limo driver, and uh, Rosie Donald's like, "Hey, hey, you can't you can't drive this. I gotta drive it." He's like, "Oh, I could take you guys to the hospital." And the, comic, the like limo driver's reading X Force, the comic book. It's very funny. Yeah. And Rosie Donald's like, "No, no, no, no. You're gonna drive. I'm from Long Island. I know how to drive. I know how to drive Manhattan." <laughs> so she gets in the car. She drives her to the hospital. But Craig Frog, like Roberta, stayed in Indiana, right? Yes. Like I'm not crazy. She just has this ridiculous like <laughs> like New York accent. Yeah. Uh, so then we're back at the treehouse. They play truth or dare. And then blah, 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 blah. They're like, are you happy? And it's like, um, no, I'm not really happy, but I guess that's okay. Like, again, like the, the adult bit of it, I was not interested in a single bit. Yeah. The, the I adult, I don't need the adult stuff. I did not care whatsoever about the adult bit. And then they're like, eventually they make a pact. They're like, we should visit more often. Yeah. Which I'm going to tell you from somebody who moved away from their hometown, moved away from their college town. That's a lie. 
Yeah. <laughs> they are not going to see each other for another 10 years. Yeah, so, uh, come, come back to Indiana. It's great, you know? No. <laughs> not coming back to Indiana. And then Roberta went back and she started tweeting about Trump again. And I was like, wait a second, wait right, a second. Yeah, yeah. And then it, the, the movie finishes where the, old, the four older girls go back down. There's some little kids playing Red Rover, which yeah. was the game that they little girls yeah. played at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then the movie ends. Yes. And that is now and then it's a like i'm glad this movie exists in the sense that it does give you know preteen girls the stand by me that you know like we had as boys growing yeah. up i wish that like more movies were made like this and i wish that this movie had you know been it, i mean it has its flaws it's still a good movie i think yeah i think it's good yeah um but you know there's elements to it that i think hold it back from being great i agree yeah, like the 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 narration felt like a a producer yeah. suggestion. There's too much narration. We don't need all the adult stuff. Yeah. Um, and then there's like you know there's just too much gravy in certain. Scenes. And like you have a whole other character you're not doing anything with. Yeah. Teeny. And this movie's what an hour and forty. Yeah. I mean, I, I never like to say this movie could have spent a little bit more time with this because you know I think an hour and forty is a good crunch of a number to try to get your movie, you know in and done with but i i I maybe not even add more time but just reallocate yeah spaces and resources Mm -hmm. like yeah take a little bit more out of the adults and put it into maybe a teeny storyline or maybe flesh out a little bit more of sam or christina uh ricci or whoever but yeah i i agree i it was a good movie but there are some little small bits that kept it from being great great yes i agree Brendan Fraser's scene, good, phenomenal. He's great. He's a, a strong addition to this movie. Very, very good. And he, now, and, it, and this is one of those movies that I am glad we are doing this podcast because I never would have watched this movie, yeah, if it wasn't for this show. Same, same. And like, even if I don't love this movie, I think it was, you know, it's important for you know it's us a, to watch a, movies that are outside of our perspective. Yeah. And here's something to, t- to talk a little. Well, we should get into the post text and like all that stuff. But one thing I wanted to say, more of a commentary on Brendan Fraser is. In a million years, Travolta would never have done anything like this. Oh, never. Never. That speaks volumes to how different these men are. Like, Fraser's willing to come in and be like a little secret sauce. Yeah. Halfway through your movie. Yeah. Not even get credit for it. Yeah. He's great. That's. I think that speaks so, again, not good or bad against, like, Travolta. I mean, I feel like we've been outspoken in how much of a flaw that is with Travolta. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say about flaw. It. I'd say it's a weakness. Yeah, it's a weakness that he was. It, it's his kryptonite. Like he's yes. just so programmed to think that he's the leading man. Yeah. Whereas Frazier doesn't come from that mindset. Ba- mindset that backstory. He's he was a working actor from day one. Yeah. And had to like claw his way up to George of the Jungle, Ricochet O'Connell, and the Mummy. Yeah. He wasn't given those things his first day at Hollywood, and I feel like it speaks so loudly to you know just us being able to talk about this guy and have these small little trinkets of him Mm -hmm. in different places so i agree it makes me glad that we're that doing this this that this was the next guy yeah you know it's heartwarming so you know follow this guy yeah but i mean this this movie does come out obviously we're watching it um it's not a success critically it is actually a success financially hmm um, and a lot of it does come from that, like, you know, the female 
audience that is generally underrepresented in Hollywood. Yeah, does turn out for this movie. It um it gets a thirty it has like a thirty three percent average on Rotten Tomatoes. Interesting. Um, average rating is five point two. So most people are like, this movie's fine. It's not like everyone was overwhelmingly negative. Um, Roger Ebert's not a fan of this movie. He says it doesn't have the psychological soundness of Stand by Me. In regards to female audiences, though. This movie gets a lot of praise for the four young leads acting, and it does get a lot of respect for like being from this female perspective. It makes thirty-three million dollars off a of budget, or thirty-seven million off a of budget of twelve, so three times its budget. Um, finan- big financial success, and it's developed a bit of a cult following, especially among like girls who grew up with this movie as being like that was defining for me to see my essentially myself represented in movies. Yeah. And wait, you know, you and me can sit here and we can talk about like the flaws we find in this movie, but at its core, that's what matters is that to young girls, this was representation that they needed discussing the ideas and topics and, you know, concerns that they had in their lives. Yeah. And so that, you know, it, and you know, it lets Marlene King later go on to make pretty little liars and, you know, continue female representation in her own way. And yeah. so I'm glad we watched this movie. I'm glad this movie exists. Even if I have my problems with it, I'm glad, you know, it's out there. Yeah. I, I uh, And I'm going through some of, like, the reviews and all that yeah. stuff. And I think we we talked a lot about, you know, how, oh, yeah, this is Stand By Me for Girls. I think that's one of the the, the biggest problems with its reception is, you know, everyone's looking at this and thinking about Stand By Me and yeah. all this other stuff. But Which even we did. Yeah. And... I'd say unanimously all the critics, as you said before, Jeff, they all praise the performances. And um, yeah, I'm glad I, I watched this too. I, I, I feel like, in was it, I'm sorry if you already said this already. I was reading Roger Ebert's review. Like a box office, it was kind of, it was. It was a success. Yeah. So with that being said, like it, it felt like this is very much a movie for parents to take their girls yeah. to go see. I, I, I'd show this to, if I had girls, you're I'd, like, I'd show this to my girls. And it's like, well, you know, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like I yeah, would, no, I gotcha. if any, there's young parents out there who listen to this podcast, first off, I hope you don't listen to it with your kid in the backseat. Yeah. Cause you should not, you should not. But you know, if you have any, you know, little girls at home, um, I, I think this would be a good recommendation. It's for a good sleepover see. movie. Yeah. That's, that's literally what it like. It's a staple of girl sleepovers. Yeah. Uh, there was an attempt um, about 10 years ago to make this as a TV show, readapt this as a TV show for ABC Family. Mm. Uh, Marlene King was going to do it again. Mm. ABC wanted it to be set in the present day, with mm. the then being the 90s, mm. which he said doesn't work. Um, and so they didn't go ahead with it. I agree. Yeah, it doesn't work because Vietnam is the epitome of your the parent is lying to the child. Yeah. And I mean, you could. You, what if you use Bill Clinton and his scandals this year? Or maybe you could use the war on terrorism. Yeah, like the, this. This movie is from a specific age. Yeah, and I there's there's room for a new now and then now, but it does it should not be a readaptation of this. I th- find a new in. Yeah, I would say like maybe if it's if and, modern day is right now 2022, yeah. and the flashback is 2001. Yeah. You could do it in the scope of nine eleven and the terrorist attacks, and that could be yeah. the reflection of because instead of Marlene King, who is um, I don't know her age now, but like, um, oh, actually, I actually did grow up in Winchester, Indiana. Um, hey, <laughs> but like, I don't know her age now. But instead of her, you know, making a new now and then, hire and a writer who 
was a young girl in the 90s. Maybe saw this movie. Maybe was influenced by this movie. She, and they can do yeah. a new tale. It doesn't even have to remotely be related to the plot of this movie. Yeah. Just something, you know, with that idea of looking back on yourself in the 90s as a young girl. Well, maybe, you know, like, maybe that's her Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. Maybe that was her version of that. Yeah. That she doesn't need to do another now and then because she already did it. It's called Pretty Little Liars, which I don't know. I... T- I wrote this down in my notes and I'm sorry, maybe we're dragging this podcast out longer than it needs to be. But like I wrote down in my notes, like I miss movies like this. Yes. We don't really get, I mean, besides it, which is a remake, mind you, but I'm talking about like original movies that have premise, like premises like this. Yeah. I don't feel like we get them as very often anymore of a, let's look back at our childhood and you know what they're called, Jeff? They're called student films. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's they're where student the, films. Now. Yeah. They're student films now. Um, but yeah, I would love to see like a professionally made ver- new version of not now and then exactly not stand by me exactly, but something with sort of the similar overtones and it would be interesting to see. Yeah. Cause like, don't get me wrong. I love eighth grade. I love uh book smart. And I love like movies like that that are like the newer versions yeah. of coming of age stories. But yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I would like to see like a a flashback version of like what was that like for the early two thousands kids? Yeah, and, which like, would be us. Yeah, and like Lady Bird is kind of that movie. It kind of is, yeah. Um, in a sense, but you know, just letting a new young female director, you know, establish look back on her childhood. Yeah. For me, Give the nostalgia piece for for our generation. Yeah, I want to see the ta- the the twelve year old in two thousand five, you know, go through all of their shit. Yeah. Meanwhile, like you know, Bush just got reelected, and the war on terror is sort of engulfing the country in flames with yeah. the recession in tow. Like I, that's I want to know that stuff and the internet. Oh God, yeah. the dawn of the internet. Add that to the mix, man. She, <laughs> she, 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 capitalism, yeah. corporate marketing. Like there's so much stuff. There's like a party going yeah, on. Yeah. There's a party going on. All right. Uh, maybe, maybe we should wrap this yeah, up. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the impact of this movie. I felt we had a great time. Yeah, we had a good little discussion. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening this week, folks. Uh, make sure to tune in next week for our episode on kids in the hall, brain candy. It's a, uh, I believe a television movie, um, by the kids in the hall comedy group. Um, it'll be fun. Yeah. Fraser is in it. Fraser uh, so make sure to tune in next week for that. As a reminder, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, whatever platform you're currently listening on. As a reminder, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Pop to our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Find us at Twitter or Instagram at TravoltingPod. TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com with anything you need. Find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Uh, find me on Instagram at Stuart He occasionally does it. And as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum-Smith for the theme music that's now taking you out. Have a great week, folks. See you next time. Bye.